Uh, well, I'm going to do something incredibly risky this morning, and that is I'm going to ask for some crowd participation. I know Presbyterians do not love crowd participation. I do not mean to interrupt nap time. I just need some feedback. Can you shout out a couple of things that you do several times a week? What's something that you do several times a week? Eat, sleep, eat, shower, brush your teeth. Okay. Can you name some things that you do several times a day? Some of you wish you would have saved your, your answer. Pray? What? Brush your teeth. Thank you. Sleep several times a day. What? Check email. Okay. What is something that you do several times an hour? Blink, breathe. Check your phone. Scroll TikTok. Okay. There are things that we do over and over and over. And those things change us. Those things, they make us who we are. They, over time, as we do them, they impact us, right? Brushing your teeth, going to work, sleeping, scrolling your phone, checking email, good or bad. These things change us as we do them. And some of them, if we don't do them, they change us as well. The things that we do over and over, they change us. Well, we as Christ followers, we want to be people who are being changed from those who trust in ourselves to those who trust in Jesus, from those who rely on our own goodness and our own abilities and instead are trusting instead in what Christ has done for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus and the difference it makes in our lives. And we believe that that moves us, that that transforms us. And we want to do things over and over that make space for it. Last week, as we kicked off this series, I said that the things that we do over and over, they can either make space for God to work in our lives or they could crowd him out and instead trust in ourselves, help lead us to spend our time fixated on what we can do for ourselves rather than leaning on what Christ has done for us. The next four weeks, starting today, we wanna look at four different sort of historic practices the church has used over and over and over to help make space for the work of God. Today, we're gonna talk about prayer and how prayer can make space for God's power, that we can make space for God's power in our lives through prayer, that the regular practice, when we learn to pray over and over and over, not just occasionally, not just when things go horribly wrong, when we pray, it helps us to lay our power down and to make space, make ourselves available to the power of God in our lives. And so to see how this works, I want you to grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter six with me. You have a few Bibles in front of you. Have your own Bibles. Look them up on your phones. Uh, but Matthew chapter 6, it, again, it's, it's so important we look at God's Word. The Scriptures will stick with us far longer than anything any pastor could say. Uh, we want to see what God's Word says about prayer. And so this is Jesus talking uh, in Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. And, and he's talking about, you'll see this, people that are crowding out God through the ways that they're praying, in fact. So Matthew chapter six, verse five, Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, so sort of the Jewish churches and on the street corner. So even outside of religious spaces to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Their reward, meaning they wanted to be seen, they have been seen. Verse six, but when you pray, 
go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's stop right there. So I know that we all have different experiences and different expectations and, and, and different thoughts when it comes to prayer. Some of us do pray daily. Some of us only pray when things completely fall apart, when things hit the fan, then we might possibly pray. Some of us don't pray at all. And, and for lots of reasons, we don't pray because it feels like a waste of time, because it's inconvenient. Maybe we don't even believe in the God that we're talking about praying to. Maybe we don't pray because what we see is that thoughts and prayers in response to the injustice that we see in Memphis and, and, and the senseless violence in California and, and, and the, the squabbling over politics in our own state and across the country, that, that thoughts and prayers aren't doing anything, so why even pray at all? Or maybe you feel like someone who I talked with this past week who said, I don't need prayer, I live in Edina. They were joking, by the way. They were joking. <laughs> I asked them how I could pray for them, and they jokingly said that. I think what happens, though, is that when we don't pray, when we choose not to pray, I think what we think is happening is we're just, like, we're not doing something we should be doing. We might feel guilty about it, probably not. Or we might just think, well, I'm just not really paying attention to God, but it's okay. But what if by not praying, we're missing the chance to let God's power change our lives? What if by not praying, we're actually neglecting the powerful reign of God in our lives and in the world? What if we're building lives based on our power when the power of God is available to us? In fact, in this text we read in Matthew chapter five, or Matthew chapter six, uh, Jesus uses three practices. He talks about giving, fasting, and praying. Now he talks about these three practices because these three practices are all ways to help loosen our attachment to something. And the other two are very obvious. So like when you fast, when you, when you don't eat for certain periods of time, it's supposed to, to loosen our attachment to food, loosen our attachment to, to our bellies, to desire. When we give, it's supposed to loosen our attachment to money and to things. But when you pray, what does it loosen your attachment to? I'm going to contend that when we pray on a regular basis, it loosens our attachment to productivity. That we're taking time that we could otherwise be productive for ourselves and we're instead asking God to be the one who is productive. Asking God to be the one who acts. And so when we don't pray, we're not just ignoring God, we are neglecting, we are crowding out God's power by trusting in our own productivity instead of his. Like we might say that we want God to act. It's easy. It's easy to say, yeah, we want God to do something. But if we're honest, it's even easier to just go ahead and do something ourselves. And we have a word for that. We have a word when people say one thing and they do another. It shows up in the passage. It's the word hypocrite. 
It's the word hypocrite. Jesus uses it. And, and we use that word to describe someone whose actions do not match their words. Their words lack power because they clearly, by the way they live, aren't buying what they're selling. And the word hypocrite in Greek refers to an actual kind of person. It refers to an actor, to a play actor, somebody who acts in a play, somebody who is faking something. They're not really doing it. They're going through the motions. And for many of us, prayer probably actually feels, if we're honest, like, like play acting, like we're going through the motions, but it doesn't have any power in our lives. And I wonder about if some of us are, are missing a transformative and powerful and meaningful ongoing relationship with God because we're just play acting when it comes to prayer. But I believe that in prayer, God has made his power available to us. I want you to hear this quote from uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson. It's a little long, but it's good. Hang in there. He says, prayer involves us deeply and responsibly in all the operations of God. Prayer also involves God deeply and transformatively in all the details of our lives. Our prayers are not simply stored on the altar, meaning they're not just going off into the ether. They are mixed with the fire of God's spirit and return to earth. Prayer participates in God's action. God gathers our cries and our praises, our petitions and intercessions and uses them. The prayers that ascended to God now descend to earth. That's the kind of prayer I want. A prayer that's an exchange of power, that we're exchanging what we could do for what God can do in our lives and in our world. That when we pray, we're doing nothing less than tapping in to the power of the Spirit inside of us to say that we don't have to carry the burdens, that God will carry them himself. We're bringing the power of God to bear on our lives when we pray over and over and over. And so this week, I just wanna challenge you to pray. And in a few, in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an, an outline of, of what challenge I'm giving you this week. But before I do that, using some, some of this text, I actually want to walk through some really simple praying don'ts and do's for us. And it won't cover everything. You could probably add a fifth or a sixth or a seventh to the list. But here are just some, some don'ts and do's that we see in this text. Number one, praying don't. Don't try to manipulate God. When we pray, we're not coming to butter God up to try to convince him or manipulate him or trick him into doing what we want. In fact, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, when it starts with hallowed be thy name, it's not, we're not like trying to impress God. God, we think so highly of you. Now give us what we want. We don't call God holy because he needs us to, but because it tells us who we are in the story, that he is holy and that we are not. We're not trying to impress God. We're also not trying to perform for others. So in the, in the text, Jesus says, go into your room and close the door. Now, on an ancient Palestinian uh, agrarian estate, they, they didn't have many rooms with closed doors. And so Jesus isn't saying that everybody needs their own special prayer space, though that's not a bad idea. He's saying that you need to not do it for anybody but God, that it's not for anyone else. Praying isn't about impressing others. So don't worry about how eloquent you are. You don't have to be a pastor to pray in front of other people or to pray uh, to God. It just takes 
We'll talk in a minute about the do's, but it just takes honesty, vulnerability, and being willing to go to God. Number three, do not go on and on. Don't go on and on. There was a belief among some religions and philosophies at the time that you could wear out God. And, and anybody who has small children knows exactly what I'm talking about. You could wear out God that you could ask enough times that you found, okay, okay. That's not how God works. It says, do not go on and on. God knows what you need before you ask him. We're not telling God what he already knows. And the last thing is this. Don't cross your fingers when you pray. You see, and I mean that two ways. One is like, praying isn't a last resort. Like, oh, I've tried everything else. I might as well pray now. But just in case God doesn't come through, I'll just keep, I'll keep trying. Uh, and it's also, we, we don't pray to let God off the hook. And, and we, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God, I really, really want this. But if it doesn't come through, I guess that's okay. Like we, we don't let God off the hook because God isn't on the hook for us in the first place. Right? He wants us to have the power of his presence in our lives as we're praying through the hopes and hurts of our stories. So those are prayer don'ts. Here are some prayer do's. Talk to God as a friend. God wants a relationship with you. He, he, he hears you. He cares for you, for you. You can be vulnerable and honest and raw. Be yourself. Go to God as a friend. The second thing, be specific. Name what it is that's on your heart. God isn't afraid of our desires and our wants. Name what's on your heart. Number three, keep it short. Keep it short because God already knows you and he knows what you need. It says, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. And that's important because pagan was, was code for those who don't know God. Don't pray as if you don't know God. You have a relationship with him. Come to him. Like you don't need to give him the backstory. God knows. Keep it short. Pray frequently. This is going to be stretching for many of us, and I'll get here in a second. Pray frequently. I think many of us, uh, you know, uh, don't pray as a way of life. We just pray when we, it's convenient or when it feels like a last resort. And then be expectant. When we go to God, expect God's power to matter in your life. God wants to make a difference. And when we pray over and over and over, we're making ourselves available to the power of God in our lives. And so I just want you to give it a shot. For five days this week, Monday to Friday, I want you to try prayer. I want you to set an alarm for three times a day. You can figure out whatever three times a day works best for you, but I want you to pray three times a day. And I want you just to, to, to pray to God, what's, what's one thing you're grateful for? What, what's one thing to say thanks to God for? And what's one thing you need help with? God, thank you for this. God, I need help with this. And just try it, give it a shot. I think it's gonna matter. I think it's gonna make a difference. I can't tell you what it is, but I believe that God's power and presence will show up in a unique way because I think whenever we say God help or God thanks, which are not the only ways to pray, but whenever we say those things, a shift in power happens that we let the burden off of us and we put the burden on one who is far more capable of handling it. We're learning to be people who trust that God is powerful and that he's with us, that his presence and his power make a difference in our lives.
And I know that three times a day for, for a lot of us is probably far more than we pray now. So it's got to be stretching. Um, but I was reminded of, of the words of, of that great church uh, theologian, uh, historic church theologian, Martin Luther, who said, prayers should be brief, frequent, and intense. And it's okay. You don't need to know all the right words. They should be brief, frequent, and intense. So in the spirit of over and over and over, we just want you to try it to work it into your life, to make it a rhythm and a habit. If you uh, want to follow along with the sermon and be reminded on our social media accounts this week and over the coming weeks, we'll be posting more content to remind you of, of, of what the challenge is and, and uh, about this sermon series. You can follow our accounts online and, and it's just as a way to engage throughout the week as well. But I believe that if you practice prayer, this week, if you practice prayer frequently, I believe you will experience the power and presence of God in a unique way. I do. Try it out. Just give it a shot. If you get to the end of Friday and you've prayed this way and it hasn't made diddly squat, let me know. If it has, also let me know. Because I believe that it will. Um, a few years ago, CPC went into this period of transition where a previous longtime senior pastor retired, um, who, who I love, who originally hired me here and went into the season of transition. And, uh, and at some point I knew that I wanted to be a candidate for the role, applied for it, went through the search process. Um, a pandemic hit in the middle of that, which is great. And, um, and I, I just, it, it was a long, hard season, if I'm honest. It was a very long, hard season. And, and I spent a lot of time in prayer and, uh, and I found myself saying things like, God, I want, God, help, God, let your will be done, but please let your will be this. Because <laughs> I, I knew what I wanted, but what I needed was not to say, God, just do this for me, but to say, God, let me experience your power through this. And here's why that mattered. It mattered because at the end of the day, whether or not it worked out the way I wanted to, I needed to know that God was powerful. I needed to be formed into the kind of person who trusted that God was powerful regardless of the outcome. Here's why. Because at the end of it, if, if I didn't get what I want, I could have been like, man, God, why didn't you do this for me? I really wanted this so badly. And I know, you know, getting a promotion, getting a job is for a lot of us, maybe the least of our concerns. Maybe there are way heavier things that we're bringing to God. But at the end of it, if I hadn't been praying and I got to the end, I would have said, man, God, why didn't you do this for me? I don't understand. Or if I got to the end of the process and I got what I wanted and I hadn't been praying, I wouldn't have been like, gosh, God, you're so powerful. This is so good. I would have been like, well, these people made this decision. That's a great decision. And I would have been like, it must have been based on me and my merits. I was a good candidate. And, but I wouldn't have been formed to be the kind of person who got through the process and realized, man, look how powerful God actually is. And that's what I want for you, to, to know that through the ups and downs of life, whether things go our way or they don't, to believe that God is powerful. Because if he's not, what are we doing? What are we doing if he's not? I'm reminded of the words of the apostle Paul, one of the earliest Christians who just said, pray without ceasing. And he's not saying like that everywhere we go and everything we do, we should just be walking around like with our heads bowed and our eyes closed all the time, bumping into things. He's saying, don't make a move without bringing it to God. 
Don't make a move. Don't do anything without trusting in the power of God. And that's what he desires for us, that we would learn what it looks like to make space for the power of God in our lives. And the tool that he gives us to do that over and over is prayer. Prayer. God already knows you. He already knows who you are. He knows what you need. He wants you to embrace it, to know it deep in your bones every single day. I love the words of uh, Pastor Tyler Staten, who said that the great scandal, I mean, the shocking thing and most important work of prayer is simply to let ourselves be loved by God. And that really is the hard thing for many of us is just to let God be God, right? But it's a reminder that when we pray, we pray to the one who gave his son to die on the cross for us so that we would no longer be slaves to the power of sin, but might experience the power of God in our everyday lives. God loves you that much. He knows you. He knows what you need. He's done for you the most important thing. And so friends, when we pray, we pray to the God who loves us. We call upon the God who loves us so much that he sacrifices everything that we might live in a powerful relationship with him. Amen? I'm gonna call the band to come back up and, and before they lead us in a couple of closing songs, I actually, um, in a second, I'm gonna have us say the Lord's Prayer together as an act of declaring what prayer looks like for us to, to pray those words because the thing that happens right after the text that we read today is Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer as a way to teach them how to pray. Now, one of the reasons that's really cool is in another gospel, in Luke's gospel, the Lord's Prayer comes in a different context. And it comes in a context through which the disciples, the 12 disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And that's interesting. You might not think that's interesting, but it's interesting because these are 12 first century Jewish men. They had been praying since they were babies. They knew how to pray. What did they ask Jesus for? because they wanted to pray with the power that Jesus had. When Jesus prayed, it moved mountains. It made, made a difference. They wanted the power of Jesus through their prayer. And so Jesus gave them the Lord's prayer as a way to frame their prayers. So I want us to recite that together. Would you please stand with me and join, join me in saying the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.